Lord's house on this beautiful day. Good to see the Fomers here. They haven't been here in a little while, I guess. Good to see them. Good to see Jerry and everybody. Brother and Sister Orange. I guess this beautiful weather brought you out. And as you get warmed up, we're going to be doing better, right? Yes. Yes. We have a new series in our Sunday School lessons now. We have Jesus, the Son of God. And you see that beautiful cover on the front of your teacher to your, or your quarterly? Very beautiful. All right. We're thinking about some things now. I'm actually looking to see how I'm going to trim my cherry tree, prune my cherry tree to make more cherries. Good to see you. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Thank you, Lord, for this new day you've given to us and all the blessings. We can look back on the past week, Lord, and we can see your providence over us, how you provide for us, how you care for us, how you show us, how you lead us. <coughs> we pray for your guidance, for strength, and wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, the Son of God, and the uh, lesson today is the forgiving Savior, the forgiving Savior. Yes, you know, God loves the world, and he loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And uh, if people could understand and absorb the fact that God so loved the world, and he still loves us. The key verse is, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1.14. The forgiveness of sins, the debt is paid. The central truth is Christ's character is marked by his forgiving love. We are looking at Matthew chapter 9 verses 1 through 7 and John chapter 8 verses 1 through 11 which will be taught by Mrs. DiStefano this morning. Be praying for Bernice as she brings the lesson to us all this morning. Forgiveness is more than the remission of penalty. It should mean the restoration of broken fellowship. A renewing of fellowship with God. Amen. Christ can forgive any trespass. He can overlook none. And I probably read this some time ago before, I'm not sure. If you forget your sins, God will remember them. But if you confess your sins, God will forgive and forget them. May the Lord help me to remember that. Not think about, oh, in the past. No, that's all gone. It's all forgiven. It's all under the blood. And Satan has no business coming around reminding me about anything from the past. No business. Nothing but the blood. Number 453. Let's sing that together. Nothing but the blood. Number 453 in your hymnal.
a miraculous thing it is, too, when the blood is applied and you are changed. Thank you, Crystal. Verse on the front of our bulletin, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Psalm 19.14. Birthdays and anniversaries. Happy birthday to Lance Pardo and Ed Susan this week. That'll be, I think, next Saturday. Okay. And announcements. The Bus and Outreach Convention is this week, starting Tuesday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Church cleanup is... March the 9th, next Saturday at 9 a.m. Who knows, you may have coffee and donuts if you come. You never know. All right, New Columbia Revival with Brother Joe Smith, March 12 through 17. That will be um, Tuesday, starting on Tuesday, March 12th. God's Bible School Ensemble, March 21st. Let's be praying for that. And remember about your little cards you're going to give out to somebody in your neighborhood to invite them. But put seats in the, put up, set up chairs in the aisle maybe. We'll get enough people here. Good. You never know. Great. And other upcoming events in April, Gatlinburg, Mount of Blessing Cleanup Day, June 1st, Mount of God's Missionary Church, Youth Camp, June 10 to 14, June 28, July 7, Mount of Blessing Camp. All right. Our church that we are praying for today is the church at York, Pennsylvania. Uh, Pastor Nathan Schaefer. I like this little saying on the back. If the Great Commission is true, our plans are not too big, but they're too small. How about that? Pat Morey said that. All right, and remember our prayer time on Saturday night. So that's a good thing. We do that, and I, we have, uh, we kind of share who's going to pray for the church this time, who's going to pray for the school, who's going to pray for our family. So we kind of take turns. There you go. Many needs on the back of the bulletin. My sister Mary's going to have her knee surgery sometime about the middle of this month, I think. Just keep remembering Doris. Keep remembering Jerry. So good to see him with us today. Jacinda Mason with her broken arm. Darwin Ryan. Anna. And Anna has a bit of a journey in this whole thing with her hip surgery and so forth. And it's just a matter of Okay, several weeks now till the middle of April or whatever, then another situation and just, it's the kind of thing where you have to pray for someone to be settled in. This is the way it's going to be. I didn't create it. I didn't want it, but here it is. You have to accept it. That's the kind of thing. It's tough. Pray for. Any other requests you want to mention out loud this morning? And we have upraised hands, always when we ask for upraised hands, we get hands raised, many, a number of them. Let's all stand together this morning and let's pray for our pastors and our Sunday school teachers as well. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to come before you in prayer, pray together. And we do have Anna on our minds. We pray you help her, Lord, touch her. Give her that strength that is needed in the weeks ahead, the weeks of healing, patience, trusting. Pray you undertake for her in all these situations. Be with Jacinda, continue to touch her, help her with her broken arm. We pray, Lord, that you'll be with Cookie, my sister Mary, help her this, as she faces surgery, Lord, and be with um, uh, Dolores, Doris, excuse me, help her continue to touch her, help her not to have to suffer. And you know, Lord, the ones who've been sick lately, who may not be completely over it, 
We just pray, O oh God, that you'll help them and help them to sense your presence as you touch and as you heal and as you encourage them. <coughs> and Lord, you know what's involved in every upraised hand this morning. You know every individual involved, every situation, perhaps have been long range, many months, maybe years of prayer have gone into these needs. And you know about it, Lord, everyone. Be with our teacher here this morning. Be with Bernice and help her. She teaches the class, helping every classroom in our Sunday school this morning. Everyone, everyone from the kindergarten all the way up to the young adults, the teenagers. Lord, be with our pastors today, helping every message, helping every part of our service, helping the offering, helping the music, helping the singing, helping the, everything that's going on in our service today and throughout the week. Helps to be praying one for another. And we pray you'll keep your hand on us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have the offering at this time, and then let's keep remembering Bernice as she brings the lesson this morning, The Forgiving Savior. <clears throat> Good morning. <clears throat> so we start a new quarter. Did you learn anything from Romans? If, if you read it or you paid attention, is this too loud? Pardon? That's what I think. Maybe if I back up a little bit more. Now, is it still vibrating? <clears throat> okay. Um, if we wanted to, we learned something from Romans. Um, and now we're going to be looking for a whole quarter at our Savior. And um, we may think, well, we know. But... Um, sometimes we need to um, have something reapplied to our lives. Maybe we need some um, awakening in an area about our great Savior. And um, I don't know that I'll do justice to this lesson, but you can look at it and think about it um, and grow from it. Who is Jesus? We could list a lot of things. I could go around and you would say a lot of things about Jesus. And, um, but this is going to break it down. If you read, if you have already picked up your quarterly, and you read on the back of the quarterly, it kind of tells you what they're going to be looking at about Jesus. They're going to look at who he said he was, um, about his power. And of course, in the middle of this quarter, we're going to come to Easter. And so we're going to be covering some of that. And then um, they're going to talk about his humility, his prayer life. Um, his great authority, which with he spoke, and, and that shows up in this lesson, his great authority. What he said is true. We can't refute it. That, um, and we, we just want to learn from this particular um, quarterly. 
So the first one is the forgiving savior. What do we want, can we learn from forgiving savior? I like to look up words, even words that we think, well, I know what forgiving means. But sometimes if you look at the definition, it, it just makes it more clear. Um, forgiving, an intentional, voluntary decision. It's thought through, it's on purpose, and he has decided to forgive. And um, we all have studied and know about God's plan to save mankind. Um, as we look at these lessons, we do want to re remember that um, sin is the cause of all the problems. Sin is the cause of physical problems, not usually personal sin, but it's from the fall. Disease came upon mankind through sin. And our sin nature, we didn't ask for it, we're born with it. So those two things, disease and the sin nature, are a part of the fall. Now, yes, some people's diseases are because of their choices. You won't drink a lot of alcohol, you can deal with the diseases that go with it. Um, you want to choose certain styles of life, you're going to have the diseases that go with that style of life. But I would say in our midst, the diseases and the hurts and the pains are not because of personal sin. Um, right now I'm going to therapy. So it might have been a year ago or something, I was playing with a child. Anybody know Preston? I was playing with Preston, and I was babysitting. And we had this big uh, Frisbee. So I'm throwing Frisbee. You know, the 70-year-old woman out here throwing Frisbee. Well, I threw with the wrong arm the wrong way and killed something in my shoulder, OK? It got better, then I would do something, and it would get worse. And I would pull weeds, and it would get worse, and I would do this. And finally, you know, when you can't sleep at night because you don't know how to put it where, you finally decide to go to therapy, which you should have done earlier, and then it would all be better now. Now, that was stupidity, perhaps. It wasn't sin. But these things happen to us. Because sin is in the world. Now, don't let the enemy put guilt on you. I am sick. What did I do wrong? Now, sickness is just flowing everywhere. It has nothing to do with you doing wrong. Um, but God made a plan. And all through the Old Testament, they were to be looking for a savior as they killed their innocent lambs, were looking for a savior to come, someone innocent. And of course, we all know as we study through the Old Testament that a lot of people lost focus and started looking at the law and what they should do and how they should behave and uh, more and more things. But like I said, I think the last time or one time I was teaching, there were people clear till Jesus came who were still looking. Anna in the temple was still looking. She still had the right focus. That other man in the temple, Simeon, he was still looking. Elizabeth and her husband were still looking. And I'm sure there were multitudes of others who were making the sacrifice in the right direction. But then there were those Pharisees who were just adding to the load and thinking, uh, we'll just make more burdens and we'll just make more laws and we'll just make 
a lot of problems because they didn't want to trust that God had a plan. And then, of course, we know Jesus came, and he was innocent and free from sin. He was a part of the Godhead, and he died for us. He made us. He died for us. And we're looking at this lesson of the forgiving Savior to show that in his very nature, he was full of forgiveness. So, our first story. I, I was thinking about this. You know, there are different kinds of teachers. The teacher, there is the teacher that just stands up there and tells you. College teachers are a lot like that. Just telling. But if you're an elementary teacher and all you do is tell, you lost it. Forget it. They're not listening anymore. They have something else to do. You've got to illustrate. You've got to give them hands-on. You've got to um, involve them in what you're teaching. You've got to pull them in and, and look over here and call somebody's name and ask them a question that pulls a, oh, I heard my name, what's going on? I better quit doing what I'm doing, you know. You know, you just, um, and Jesus was that kind of a teacher. He was a perfect teacher. And so let's look at our lesson. Um, our lesson comes from Matthew 9. This story is also in Mark 2. Those are the same stories. It doesn't prove anything bad about the Bible. It's just that Matthew said this much about it, and Mark said more about it. See, Matthew says nothing about them breaking up the roof and putting the man down through the hole. Mark tells you that. But Matthew told you as much as he wanted to say about it. Just like if you see an accident, you say what you saw. And you may remember the colors of the car, the kind of the car. Me? I wouldn't know the kind of the car. I wouldn't, you know, um, I would have to think, OK, was it the right side or the left side? You know? Uh, anyway, do you see, understand the difference in people? and in how we see something. Somebody's focused on the people in the car. Other people are focused on the car. Some people are looking at the marks on the road. Whatever. OK, Matthew 9. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came to his own city. Now, this is what he was doing in chapter 8. We're in chapter 9 now. But in chapter 8, he had healed a leper. He had healed the centurion's servant. He had healed Peter's mother-in-law. He had stopped a storm. He had healed the demoniac in the tombs. All of this was going on in chapter 8, and we get to chapter 9, and he had come across on the water, and now he was in his own city. And behold... They brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their face, said unto the sick of palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. Now, if you take a look at Mark, you find out that Jesus was in a house. It may have been Peter's house, where Peter's mother-in-law was. Um, and the house was full of people. The courtyard, all around, it was full of people. And they wanted to get this man. They had confidence that Jesus knew what to do for this man who was really too weak and too ill to get there himself. And when they got there, of course, this is four men and some type of a stretcher. So that's a bulky situation. It's not one child who knows how to worm themselves 
to sit at Jesus' feet. This is a bulky situation. So they did the next thing. From what I read, um, when you go up on the roof, there's usually a trap door that you can get down into the house. But the trap door would, of course, been too small to put all this down. So they tore up some more tile. They put, G put this sick man down in front of Jesus. And Jesus did something about sin. Remember, sin causes, brought disease, and sin brought, um, and sin brought a sinful heart. And so he said to him, thy sins be forgiven thee. And of course, those standing around were appalled that he would say that. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, okay, miracle one, he said, thy sins be forgiven. Miracle two, he knew their thoughts. He knew. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it's easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise up and walk. What difference does it make which I say? What was he saying to these grumbling Pharisees and other people who did not want to know who Jesus was? He was saying to them, I am God. I am deity. I can deal with sin. Sin, whether it's sins inside and sin which brings disease, I can deal with it. I can, I can wipe it out. Because, look back in two, Jesus seeing their faith. He saw their expectant confidence that Jesus could do something about this. You know, we don't usually do, I might not even do it at all, but we don't like to do embarrassing things if we're going to end up really embarrassed because we don't get any help. You know, they're not going to embarrass themselves by putting a man down through the roof if the man doesn't get help. Then they're really embarrassed. So, which is easier? But that ye may know Jesus was always teaching a lesson. That ye may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the sick of palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go in unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. Third miracle. All because our Savior Jesus is able to forgive sin. We should never question forgiveness. In our hearts. You know, Satan does delight. Um, the more timid the person, the more, oh, just different personalities. The enemy just loves and delights to make people question. But you just need to say, Jesus has power to forgive sin. Jesus has power to forgive sin. Jesus was deity. He was the son of God. And so we find that he has power to forgive. Um, I'm just looking at my notes. I, I write down my notes. Then I write things at the side. And then... Um, I don't know why I put that there.
Anyway, I'll tell you what it said. I found it somewhere, and I can't see what the reference was. Um, if you want to be buried in the cemetery outside Jerusalem, it's $30,000 for a lot. If you want to be among the first resurrection outside the gate, 30000 that's when that was written. Don't ask me why I put that down. I put down interesting things. <laughs> Let me tell you something else. This kind of jumps in. I'm ready for the next story. Um, I was at the missionary service uh, Friday night. I appreciated it. And Brother Michael Mason led the singing, and he said, we sang, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And something in that song just made me think of a story I've read recently. It's a second book about trying to reach into North Korea with the gospel. So it says, wafted on the rolling tide. They will go in South Korea and study the movement of the tides. And when the tides are moving toward North Korea, they throw bottles with rice because people are starving in North Korea. Put rice and food, whatever they can, and the gospel in those bottles and throw them in the water. And that's what I thought of when we sang, wafted on the rolling tide. They are using a way, they have no clue how much of it gets to that shore, and fishermen and fishermen's family pick it up, and they hear the gospel. But you have to find a way to get the gospel there anyway. And then it says, give the winds a mighty voice. Another thing they do, I don't think this will get to North Korea and they'll find it out. Anyway, another thing they do, they have helium balloons. They attach things to them. They go up in the mountain as close to the demilitary, you know, that line. It's a mile wide. Um, they go as close as they can in the mountains, away from people as far as they can get. And they release balloons when the winds are blowing the right direction. Give the winds a mighty voice, and they send the gospel by that means. Yes, the soldiers probably shoot some down. Who knows? Uh, but some actually get to people. They know because people coming out of North Korea have said. So they are using, um, I, I just thought that went so beautifully with that song. And maybe when you sing it again, you'll realize there are people who are using the winds and the ways to share the gospel with people who need to know about Jesus. Let's go on to the next story. Now, <clears throat> I think they were trying to say with the letter P, uh, Jesus' power, okay? Then his predisposition to forgive. Okay. Uh, what's predisposition? The state of being likely to behave in a particular way. Proneness, tendency, an inclination. Everything about Jesus is, I want to forgive. I want to forgive. I want to. I want to. I did everything so that I can forgive. I met God's law for you. I want to forgive you. That's predisposition, if I can get the word spit out right. Okay. So we come to an interesting story. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives after what happened in John 7, John 8, 1. He went to the Mount of Olives. 
um, which is about three-fourths of a mile from the city. Um, and early in the morning, he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. Their method of teaching was to sit down. Um, they weren't teaching a bunch of children. You don't sit down and teach a bunch of children. You've got to be on the move, right, Brianna? You have to be looking. You have to be seeing. What are they doing? Uh, why is that child standing on his chair? Um, that child. We called him Elmer. That wasn't his name. We called him Elmer. He was in, well, I had him in third and fourth grade, but for no reason at all, he would be standing up working at his desk. He just would stand up, and I would say, Elmer, sit down. Everybody, they just knew who I was talking to. And he would like, and sit down. He, he didn't realize. He, he was just intent on what he was doing, and he just stood up, you know, and he was working away. He was disturbing no one. But I'd say, Elmer, sit down. His name was Matthew. Uh, but, you know, that's just what I did. And so, um, why did I say that? Okay, Jesus sat down to teach. And there were gathered around him a multitude of people who wanted to hear what he had to say. They wanted to hear. And in the midst of this teaching situation came a disturbance. Now can, you, now can you see what it was like? It would be like Brother Spangler's up here preaching and the doors come open and people come marching down the aisle. Though he wouldn't be up there sitting and teaching unless his leg was bad. Anyway. <laughs> And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, I'm assuming they were dragging her along. And they said unto him, Master, you just have to realize when they said master, they didn't mean it. They did not mean that word. This woman was taken in adultery in the very act. And Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? First of all, if you go back to the law, it says nothing about stoning them. But remember, the Pharisees were good at adding to the law and making it sound important. What was Jesus' predisposition in this situation? Now we know they were trying to trap him. Here he is in front of all these people who are listening to him teach. And they want to trap him because it, it, they don't really care about the sin. If they cared about the sin, there would be a man there. Yes. Yes. You know. Um, they didn't care. And I don't know where my notes went from there. Anyway. They didn't care. They wanted to trap him because if he said, stone her, who would they go tell that he wants to put somebody to death? They would go tell the Romans and get Jesus in trouble. Because at that time, the Jews were not allowed to kill anybody without permission from the Romans because they were under Roman rule. So we'll catch him this way. or we'll catch, They were always trying to catch him. And I don't know if they ever learned their lesson. You do not catch Jesus in a trick. Number one, what did we already say? One of the miracles Jesus did in the other lesson, 
he said he knew their thoughts. You're not going to catch Jesus in a trick. Or if Jesus said, aw, let her go. Then he has this whole crowd of people that he's been teaching. And it sounds like he's saying there's nothing to the law. So we've got him either way. But Jesus had a predisposition. What was that predisposition? What was his proneness? He will forgive. So let's go on in our lesson. And here's the next word that starts with a P. <clears throat> Perspective. <laughs> Don't ask me who looked up these words. Um, but they did. They wanted to keep, keep it all together. All right. This they said tempting him that they might have to accuse him. They can accuse him either way. But Jesus knows their thoughts. And so he stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Like, he didn't hear what they said. But they weren't content so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. When someone was stoned, those who were the accusers who had seen the sin were to throw the first stones. Therefore, it wasn't Jesus that was going to throw the stones. It was them that were going to throw the stones. You know, um, He that is without sin among you, throw the first stone. And then he stooped down and wrote on the ground. There, you know, don't let anybody tell you, I know what he wrote. It's nowhere. Right, Mr. Black? It's nowhere. A lot of assumptions that he wrote their sins. Eh. Um, some assumptions. One thing that I read somewhere that it was um, a Roman way to write down what you were going to say before you said it. Who knows? Maybe he was drawing pictures. Who knows? I don't think so. But again, he stooped down and wrote, saying nothing. Did you know that one way to get a classroom quiet is to just say nothing? Just stand there. You know, now it can reach beyond the point of being able to do that. It can go beyond that. Um, but that, that is a good way to bring order. Because if you get loud, they get louder. And then you try to be heard over top of that, and they get louder. But if you just stop, they start to jerk their heads around. It's like, what's going on? And that's what Jesus did. This world is noisy. And some of the reason they're noisy, they don't want to think. As long as there's noise and, and people going and coming. But how do you really get spiritual help? And they which heard it, being convicted in their own conscience, that quietness, that failure of Jesus to respond to their questions, 
They went out one by one, beginning at the oldest. That would be like Brother Kohler is convicted, and everybody's sitting here stunned by this accusation, and suddenly Brother Kohler gets up and he just walks out. And then some of the other older people, they just get up and they walk out. And then the next age just gets up and walks out because they were thinking of their sins. And they were convicted. And they realized they could not throw the first stone. They didn't even want to be there. And Jesus left standing alone and the woman standing in the midst. Now, when these people walked out, it was these accusers. He still had this multitude of people that he had been teaching. Can you imagine the embarrassment of the Pharisees walking out without an answer? And all these common people saw it. They didn't know what to say. They couldn't throw a stone. And they didn't know what to do. So I'm going to get out of here. But the point that we want to get here is Jesus is always honest with us. Always. He will always deal with the problem as he dealt with those men who brought this woman. He dealt with the problem. If you're without sin, go ahead and throw a stone. But his reasoning was, I want to forgive these Pharisees. I want to forgive these scribes. But they've got to own who they are. You know, that's all we have to do is own who we are. And he, the words, he has the power, he has the predisposition, and he has the perspective. If you want to look at all these big words, perspective, point of view, way of seeing something. I want to forgive. I want to forgive. I died even to forgive the Pharisees. I want to forgive. So I will make them aware of their sin so that they will repent and I can forgive. Always remember Jesus wants to forgive. Satan has different ways of, of trapping your mind. I, I remember recently, I was thinking of Nathan and his disinterest, absolute disinterest. And I can look back to when he turned his back. I know about when he turned his back on God and the things that were going on. And Satan whispers, but, you know, maybe, maybe he grieved the spirit away. Maybe he this. Maybe he, you know, what's that? That's Satan keeping you from having confidence in God's ability to save. There are people like that. There are. But Satan, God's not going to whisper that to me. That's Satan. We need to take this lesson. Oh, let's get to the end. The bell rang. And when Jesus had lifted himself up, he stood up and he saw, yes, the crowd was still there, but it was just the woman. Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Has no one thrown a stone? No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. That kind of clenches it on the sinning religion. Going to heaven from a harlot's arms. You know, kind of destroys that. Because it said, Go and sin no more. Don't break the law, lean on me, go and sin no more.
Jesus will forgive. We need to just keep praying, praying earnestly for those that we know are lost. Then, of course, he went right back to teaching this group of people, and he said to them, I am the light of the world. Thank you for your attention.